As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law to an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, July 7th. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Thad Brown, chief detective. My name's Friday. I was on my way into work, and it was 4.58 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. John, are you? Yeah. Been here long? No, I just got in. Sure a beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah, summer's really here, isn't it? This daylight saving time makes a difference. Got a lot more time, seems like. Made me think about my vacation. Well, you're doing a couple of weeks, aren't you? Yeah, first part of August. Mm-hmm. Figured out where you're going yet? Yeah, Faye and I talked it out. You know, Joe. Oh, what's that? I think maybe I had Armin figured wrong. Armin? That's your brother-in-law? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think you're Faye and I got to talking where we're going to spend the vacation. Faye wants us up to Big Bear. I'm saying Mexico. Yeah. You know, I take a little fishing. I hear the yellows are hitting pretty good. The what? Yellowtail. Oh, you don't fish like no right away. Well, they're supposed to be hitting pretty good, but they can't see Mexico. And the whole Ironman doesn't chime in and say, he thinks Mexico's a great idea. Well, that's swell. Yeah. Tells Faye all about the beaches down there, how good the food is, all about the air, healthy. You know, really sells it. So that's where you're going, huh? No, Faye didn't buy it. Going to mountains. Well, fishing's supposed to be pretty good up there, too, isn't it? That's what I read, I guess. I don't know. I suppose so, but... Oh, well, Ironman, how do you like that guy? He sure surprised me. Yeah, maybe he's going to work out, huh? Yeah. I'll get it. Okay. Homicide Friday. Yes, sir, it is. I beg your pardon. Could you talk a little louder? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Well, when was that? I see. When? Yes, sir. What was that address again? All right, I have it. Yes. Yes, sir, that's right. We'll be right out. Right. Bye. Well, we got one to roll on. Kidnapping out in Hollywood. The man on the phone gave his name as Henry Wagner. He said that he'd come home from work and found that his wife was gone. He said on the phone that he'd found a note demanding ransom and costing him against calling the police. 5.22 p.m. Frank and I arrived at the house on Temple Hill Avenue. We parked the car down the street from the house and went up to the front door. Frank would remain in the car for a few minutes and then follow. In that way, if the kidnappers were watching the house, they wouldn't be as likely to know that we were working on the case. I rang the bell and waited. Yes, you're the police? Yes, sir, that's right. My name's Friday. Oh, hello. Come in, please, quickly. I don't want them to see you. 
Who's them? The kidnappers. They might be watching. I don't know what I'm going to do. Terrible thing to have happen. Just doesn't make sense. All right, now, sir, if you just try to calm down, tell me what happened here. We're going to start right from the beginning. All right. I got home from school about 4.30. Myra wasn't here. I looked to the house for her. Figured, like you said on the phone, that she might have gone to the store. Uh-huh. When I couldn't find her, I started looking for a note. That's when I found the ransom demand right there on the coffee table. And you said you got home from school, is that it? Yes, I teach political science at the university. Well, when did you last see your wife? When I left this morning, about 7.30. I have a class today. Have you talked to her since? Yes, I called her about 1.15. Did everything seem all right then? I mean, did she seem to be upset or anything like that? No, no, everything seemed to be normal. Did she say if there was anyone with her when you talked to her? No, if there was, she didn't give any indication of it. I see. I know that this isn't a hoax, if that's what you're thinking. I know that Myra wouldn't do a thing like this. She's a serious woman. I guess you might say that she had a rather dull sense of humor. No, I know that she wouldn't do a thing like this as a joke. No, no, it's not that. I'm just trying to get all the facts here. What if I could see the note? Yes, I left it over here on the desk. That'll be my partner. I'll let him know if it's all right. Wagner's my partner, Frank Smith. How do you oh, do, Mr. Wagner? How do you do? I'll get the note. I'd rather you wouldn't handle it anymore, sir. Oh, all right. You going to try to get some fingerprints from it? Is that right? Well, that's the idea, yes, sir. You read it, Joe? Yeah, it's made up of newsprint and cut out of the paper. Looks like one of the morning papers. Yeah. I'll read it for you. Just put $10,000 in five tens and twenties in a shoebox. Make sure the bills are unmarked. On July 8th, drive up Deer Canyon Drive at 10.30 p.m., five miles past the turnoff. You'll see a white string across the road. Drop the shoebox out of the car, go on back home. Your wife will be returned. Don't tell the cops to tell anybody who'll kill your wife. Deer Canyon Drive? Yeah, you know, it's up above law. Oh, yeah. $10,000. Do you have that kind of money, Mr. Wagner? No, sir. I don't know how I'm going to raise it. I have to, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Have you noticed anyone lately that's been in the neighborhood here? I mean, anybody loitering around without any reason to be here? No, I haven't. Of course, you must understand I'm not home a great deal. But Myra didn't say anything about it. I'm sure she would have if she'd seen anybody like that. You and your wife have any enemies that do a thing like this, did you know? None that I can think of. Do you have any household help? I beg pardon? Household help. Anyone that comes in to help your wife with the housework, you know, a day maid, something like that. Well, there's Betty Jo. She comes in once a week to clean up the house. When was she last year? Let me see, that was Saturday. That's her usual day, Saturday. I guess it was that. Didn't you see her last week? No. You see, I had to go out by Pomona this last weekend, series of lectures I wanted to catch. I left early Saturday morning, didn't get back until late that night. Did your wife go with you? No, she stayed at home. She had a little touch of the virus and figured she'd better stay at home and take care of it. Are you sure this is the right thing to do? Maybe I should have handled this myself. No, sir, you did the right thing. I wonder if you could give us a description of your wife, Mr. Wagner. Why? You aren't going to tell anyone else about this, are you? No, sir. The information will be handled in the usual confidential manner. Oh. Well, I guess you men know what you're doing. All right, sir, if you just give us a description, if you think. Well, Myra is about five feet three. Two men came up from the office of the state outlet place on the house. The note was taken downtown and photographed. Dean Bergman with several clean prints from it. However, comparison with those taken from Mr. Wagner eliminated them. The maid, Betty Joe, was contacted, but she could tell us nothing. In the meantime, Sergeant Jay Allen at the crime lab prepared a cue box as directed by the abductors. Dummy packages of money were placed in the box, and the container was wiped clean of all fingerprints. The area where the meet was to take place was staked out. The following morning, Wednesday, July 8th, Henry Wagner went to teach his classes at the university as usual. Late in the afternoon, he returned home, and at 9.45 p.m., he got into his car and left the house. I'd gotten into the back seat of the car earlier, and I kept out of sight. 
In an undercover unit behind us, Frank, Lieutenant Gorham, and Gillen Trina kept us under observation in the event that we missed contact with the kidnappers. 10.26 p.m. We turned off Benedict Canyon onto Deer Canyon Drive. I hope I'm doing the right thing. I can't help thinking of what they might do tomorrow. We'll try to take it easy, Mr. Wagner. We know how you feel. Everything that can be done has been taken care of here. That's what you've been telling me for the past hour. Doesn't make me feel any better about what's happening. Can you still see that car behind us? No. I think they dropped back when we turned off Benedict. Uh-huh. How's it look up ahead? Can't see much. Dark. How far off the canyon have we come? About four and a half miles. You got your box right there ready to throw it out? Uh, yes, sir. Right here on the seat. All right, now, remember, when you toss it out, try to lift it by the string. Right, I'll remember. I just hope we're doing the right thing. I'll never forgive myself if anything happens tomorrow. $10,000 just isn't worth it. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There it is. String across the road. See anybody around it? No. It's so dark. I can't see anything but what's in front of the car. How close are we to the place here? About 50 or 60 feet, all right, now take it slow. Don't give any indication that you're not doing exactly what they told you to. And remember, don't handle that box. Hold it to the string. All right. We're here. I'm throwing the box out. All right, now close your door. What now? Walk the road a little, and then turn around and drive back. Act like everything is just the way they told you to handle it. All right. Take it easy now. We can turn around here. All right. You see anyone move for the money? No, not yet. Maybe when I get turned around. Driveway here. Pretty dark back there. I can't see anything at all. Nothing there. I don't see anyone. All right, now just keep driving. If there's anybody to pick up the money, it'll look better if you don't cause any trouble. I don't know about all of this, Sergeant. Somehow I still can't get the idea out of my mind that we've done the wrong thing. That they know all about it, that they're going to kill Myra. Now, there's no reason that they should know if there's anything wrong, Mr. Wagner. From what they can see, you're doing just what they told you. they got nothing to tell them any different here. But what if they found out? What if they know that you're working on the case? What if they know about it? They might kill Myra. I'd never forgive myself. I never should have told you about it. I should have taken care of it myself. They'll kill her. I know they will. They'll kill her because you're working on it. The way it is now, she hasn't got a chance. No, you're wrong there, Wagner. Hmm? Yeah, I'd on her side now. 10.45 p.m. Henry Wagner and I left the meeting place. About a mile down Deer Canyon Drive, Wagner dropped me off, and then he started down Benedict Canyon Drive and continued on home. I met with Frank, Lieutenant Gorham, and Sergeant Gill and Phoenix and we started back on foot. We cut off the road and waited on the hill overlooking the meeting place. Frank told me that they'd seen no activity on the road while Wagner and I were making the move. We moved in closer. 11.30 p.m., no sign of the kidnapping. The moon came up and we could see the white string across the road. In a pack of manzanita, we could see the shoe box containing the dummy packages of money. We waited. Midnight, 1.30 a.m., still no sign of the kidnapping. 2.30, 4. At 4.45 a.m., the sun came up and Frank and I left the area. Lieutenant Gorham and Sergeant Gillen Phoenix continued to stake the meeting place. If the kidnappers had been in the vicinity, we'd missed them. Our only course now was to wait for them to contact Henry Wagner again. 8.15 a.m., Frank and I checked out and went on home to take a shower and get something to eat. At 11.12 a.m. Thursday morning, we checked back into the office. Last night, huh? Yeah, there's nothing to show for it. Anything from Gorman and Phoenix? No, I don't see anything. One thing I found out was that 
I need a heavier coat for night. Yeah. Go on ahead in the magazine. Advertise those English duffel coats. Look real good. What? Duffel coats. Oil in the North Atlantic during the war. You know, Joe, they're real heavy. Got a hood that comes up. Should be real warm. A hood? Yeah, you know, like a monk wears. When you aren't wearing it, looks just like a collar. When it gets cold, you raise up the little gimmick, and there you are, warm as anything. You know, Frank, somehow I just can't see you in there. Yeah? Well, I noticed you weren't too warm last night. Next time we do duty like that, I'm going to be ready for it. Yeah. Like a monk. I'll get it. Homicide fighting. Yes. Oh, yes, Mr. When was that? Uh-huh. Yes, sir, right away. Now, let's see. Huh? The Wagner woman, she's home.
Right then, the man told her to shut up. Yes, ma'am. We drove for quite a while and then stopped. They made me get out and took me into a house. Did you have any idea where you were at the time, ma'am? No, I didn't. Go ahead, ma'am. Well, they took me into the house and put me in a room. Tied me up. I couldn't move, couldn't do anything. They locked the door and I could hear them arguing in the next room. The man was really telling the woman off. Said that she was a fool, that she'd really botched the whole thing up. I see. That night, they brought him a plate of food. Told me it was time to eat. All there was was some prunes. That's what they said me all the time I was there, prunes. Never did take the blindfold off. Was there anything at all that let you know where you were? Oh, a couple of things. They're probably kind of silly, but maybe you can make something out of them. What's that, ma'am? Well, there was a clock that was in the room where they had me, one of those chime clocks, told every 15 minutes, like Westminster chime. Yes, ma'am. I don't think it was a very big clock. Chime sounded small. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there was a train. Train? Yes, every once in a while I'd hear trains going past. Sounded like they were near, maybe a couple blocks away, not much more than that. But do you think that you could give us a description of the man and woman in his writing? Yes, I think so. First, I was so upset with thinking that Henry was hurt that I didn't notice, but I think I can describe them for you. All right, ma'am, that'll be fine. There's one thing, though. What's that? I'd be positive if I saw them. Twelve noon, we continued to talk to the Wagner woman. She gave us a description of the man and woman who had kidnapped her and a description of the car they'd used. We called the information into the office, and a local and an ATV were gotten out. We ran the descriptions to R&I, but we got no mate. 2.45 p.m. As one of the possibilities for identifying the locality described by Mrs. Wagner, Frank and I left the house and drove to the office of one of the milk companies in the city. We talked to the driver that handled the area in which Mrs. Wagner said the kidnappers were going to stop. We couldn't identify the man and the woman from the description. We checked two more milk companies, and on the third, we got a tentative identification. The driver of the route told us that we could be asking about a Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Harper, he thought. He gave us their address, and Frank and I drove out there. On the way, we called the names into R&I and had them make a check for us. They said they had a record on a Thomas Harper who answered the description. He served time in San Quentin and in Folsom Penitentiary. He'd been sentenced both times for armed robbery and ADW. There was no record on Mrs. Harper and no warrant at the present time for her husband. 5.57 p.m. Well, we better try it again. I don't think that'll 
right, Joe. Hmm? Found that bill from the gas company on the table in there. Yeah. House in Pasadena. Hopper's mugshot had been pulled and sent to the Wagner home for identification. Mrs. Wagner was still under sedative. 7.15 p.m., Frank and I drove out to Pasadena. We got in touch with the police department out there, and two officers were assigned to accompany us to the address on the gas bill. The house was unoccupied, and no advertising papers strewn all about on the lawn. With the officers, we entered the house and went through it. In some of the rooms were pieces of furniture, and in the living room of the house, we found a mantel clock that chimed on the quarter hour. On an end table, we found a ball of white string. It looked like the same type that had been used to mark the meeting place up on Beer Canyon Drive. In one of the back bedrooms, we found clean seeds scattered around on the floor. A stakeout was arranged on the house. We contacted the men watching the Harper residence and found that the suspects were still there. 9.56 p.m., Frank and I arrived back at the Harper home in Hollywood. The lights were out and the house was dark. Frank went around to the back of the house. Yeah? What do you want this time of the night? Did you guys ever give up? All right, Harper, let's get dressed. We'll talk to you downtown. You kind of pinched to me? You called it. For what? Kidnapping. Oh, you mind. Come on, get dressed. Who is it, honey? Cops say we kidnapped somebody. What? Plus, there's an idea we kidnapped somebody. Just kidding. Straighten on this, Harper. You better get dressed, too. Anybody else in the house? Yeah, we take in boys. Oh, get smart. Where's that door go? Bedroom. This the one bedroom here? That's right. We're roughing it. Is the kitchen over here? Yeah. All right, come on. How about the bath? In there. All right, we'll all go. Come on.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 